What I want to talk about is a halacha which isn't so well known, but the Mesa, it's a dindarabon, which was enacted for a reason, in order to prevent problems of kashras. And when, as always, the rabbanon's gedarim on cash, so then the problems happen. And the halacha I want to talk about tonight is what we call the dinner chasamis. Chasamis means seals. If I want to send food with a non-Jew, the food has to be sealed. What's the reason for that? Because we say that you know, the non-Jew is curious, he wants to take kosher food. And therefore, if he has the opportunity to take the kosher food and, and exchange it for something else, he'll do it. Well, what's going to stop him? No one's noticing him, no one knows what, he, what he's done. And therefore, we worried for one or two reasons. Either he wants to try it himself, and he thinks, you know what, I can buy a non-kosher replacement for half a day. So, let's try the kosher one and no one will difference. Well, the other option is, if he knows it's worth more money, and therefore he thinks I'll sell it. And therefore, it's good for me to, so to speak, take the kosher food, exchange it for something inferior, cheaper, non-kosher, and I'll make money. So, for either of these two reasons, there's a chashash that if a Jew is a non-Jew, or for halakhic purposes, a Jew who is not shown Shabbos, is left with food which there would be some reason for him to exchange, some reason for him to switch, then he'll do it. And then we have a problem that the food has no reliability of being kosher. Now, therefore, this is already the Gemara says, Hazamil If a person is sending food with a non Jew, or a person is leaving a non Jew on his own with the food, either of those two circumstances, then the Allah is that he needs to be sealed. So, Firstly, what counts as a seal, and how does it have to be sealed? So the Gemara has two categories. Category number one, things which need two seals, a double seal. Is the reason for that because you're worried about is it the rice that I'm showing them, or because these are things which are more expensive, and therefore the guy has more of a, a reason to try and steal them or try and take them, and therefore they need to be better protected. They need two seals. What's called this? What are these categories? The gematria, I mean, the Rashi for them is what we call Chavis. Chavis is just an acronym made up of the first letters of four things where Chazal said you need two seals. And those are Ches is Hatif Astag, he's talking about raw fish, Basar is meat, Yud is Yain, and Taf is Tchelis. Tchelis doesn't really apply to that, we don't have Tchelis anyway, but when there was Tchelis, the blue thread for the Titus, it was very easy to exchange with thread which is made from authentic blood of the Chidazan, which was Chasha for the Mitzvah. So anything else that is look in the same texture, the same color, and therefore have to be, it had to be sealed. Same thing, meat, fish, wine. It's very easy to switch uh, kosher meat for a similar looking cut of non-kosher meat to exchange kosher wine for a similar non-kosher wine. And therefore, even without the din of the guy touching the wine, as often as if the wine wasn't sealed, we worry that maybe he exchanged it and the something applies sufficient to meat. It doesn't make a difference if it's cooked meat or raw meat. Either way around, we worry the same thing, and therefore, Sending these things needs a double seal. The second category is things which only need one seal. There wasn't the same chashash, and therefore Chazal said it one seal is enough. The second thing is only need one seal, there are four things in that category also, and that is Chalot, Kvina, Lechem. And uh, those things need one. Only one seal, bread, meal, more cheese. Uh, they need a single seal. They still need to be sealed. 
Because here also, there are non-kosher alternatives, whether it's non-kosher milk, whether it's uh, non-kosher bread, non-kosher cheese, and things in that category still need to be sealed. Now, what, what's called a seal? So the important point to understand here is seal doesn't mean closed. If it's just in a closed box or in a closed package, there's nothing stopping the guy opening the package, taking it to wherever he wants out, and putting something else in instead. Seal has to be in a way that either he won't be able to open it, like it was locked with a key, for example, he won't be able to open it, or he won't be able to get away with opening it, because if he would open it, you'd notice it. And therefore, that's if I tape something closed, and in order to open it, you have to tear the tape, so then I would notice that it's been tampered with, because I would see the tape is torn. And therefore, if I want to seal something, the way to seal it is to put it in a way where the guy wouldn't be able to get, 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 get to it without doing something that I would recognize. So therefore, the first practical case we're going to talk about, which is very shriach, is food deliveries. Even if the store has Jews working in it, it has a mashkiach, right? but Lemais and more and more places are offering deliveries, and the delivery man isn't necessarily a from Jew. If he is, it's fine, then he's an Ammon also. But if he isn't, it's either a non-religious Jew or to be a non-Jew. So now the shayla is, it's very good that it came out of a kitchen which had a good hafsha, but who said what came out of the original kitchen is what you get? And therefore the halacha is that these things need a sin. These things need a sin. So, practically, if you have a pizza store and you're doing deliveries of pizza and your driver isn't a from Jew, what you need to do is you need to have a tape in the store, that's the logo of the store or whatever it is on it, and I can tape the box shut. Because that way, the, the recipient, when he gets the box, can see the full tape track. And the, the driver doesn't have more tape, so if he would tear the tape, he wouldn't be able to replace it. <coughs> you aren't conscious that he sold the tape. You're conscious that it was easy to forget if you got your bills, but to plan ahead, you know, it's a complicated theft operation for a piece of pizza, you wouldn't get it. No, he doesn't have the tape on. We, won't, we don't think he's going to steal flights. We think right now he has a pizza. Either it looks good, he wants to taste kosher pizza, or whatever other reason he has it. when he has it, but if it's hard for him to get there, he's not going to go to extra hard efforts to, to try and break into the pizza box. Mm-hmm. Same thing, the delivery of burgers or whatever it is, that's meat, it's going to be properly sealed. Oh, so where would be a case where the guy would do So that, that, in other words, it's a good question. The guy has to have some reason to want to switch it. Right? So why would he do it? So there are three options. Number one is he's hungry. And Fashat said he wasn't intending Mirosh to steal the pizza, but it smelled good and he was hungry. And he decided to eat it and not replace it on the way. Number two, and this is a let's say he dropped it. He lost it. Whatever happened to it. And now he can't serve it because it fell, it, whatever, it got ruined. So now he thinks it's easier for me to find another pizza and uh, the buyer is not going to the difference and go back to the store and tell him, I'm sorry that I messed up the order. Or it could even be that the, the store has too many orders to pull at once and uh, they're in a rush. So, so just go down to the non-kosher store down the street and pick up the pizza and deliver them because otherwise it's going to take too long to keep up with the, the demand. So in any case like that, where there were, we can think of other reasons too, but in any case there would be a possible reason why the guy would want it or would take it or would change it, so then you have to be careful and you have to seal the boxes. Right? Like I said, the plastic cooked food like raw food, and therefore in all these cases we don't have to seal it properly. Now, raw food isn't such a shy because normally raw food comes packaged. 
But in the packaging, it's a seal. If you have a, a bag of milk or a, or, or a jar of milk which is sealed, that's, that's a good seal. If you have a container of cheese or a loaf of bread which is sealed, that's a good seal. And then we don't assume the guy is going to be able to exchange without knowing it. But when it comes to food which is cooked, which is ready, and then there is a chashash that it's not hard for the guy to change, so then we worry he's going to do that. Have these things happened? Of course they have. There's a famous story in Israel. Just, you know, ten years ago now, as I've spoken about it before, that they have what's called Yom uh, The president of the country makes a formal dinner for all the people who think that they're chosher, and obviously they find a tough girl caterer to put in the food for however many hundred people that is. It happened ten years ago. That at the time the president ordered the menu from the Tel Aviv Hilton, they had a good chef. Obviously, for state dinner, it has to be under Hashkacha. So there was a Meshkech in the Tel Aviv Hilton who watched the preparing all the food. And uh, they were working the day before Yom Hatzimot. And the idea was that they would get everything ready and then load it onto refrigerator trucks who would drive it up to Yerushalayim and then there would be a, uh, someone in Yerushalayim waiting to put the food into the oven where it would cook and be served fresh on Yom Hatzimot afternoon. So what happened was that's what they did. The cooks in Tel Aviv prepared all the food. They loaded it onto the refrigerator trucks. And the drivers in the morning, when they came to drive the trucks to Shalayim, realized that the refrigeration of the truck hadn't been working. And all the raw meat had been left out overnight in Tel Aviv in the summer. And therefore, you can imagine that it wasn't ready to eat anymore. But the problem is, everything stores in especially in Tel Aviv. So where are they going to find more meat? So the driver had a brilliant idea. And on the way to Shalayim, they stopped into an Arab town called Abu Ghosh. It's on the street. And Abu Ghosh, and the Amot doesn't really make a difference. It's business like normal. And they stocked up on more meat, and they brought it to Shalayim. And the cook waiting in Shalayim to put it in the oven didn't, obviously didn't realize the difference. It was only a few days later where people thought that all the food was completely dry. Now, what, what, who, who made the mistake there? What was the problem? The, the, the cooks in Tel Aviv had a mashkir, was watching the prepare. The cook in Shalayim had a mashkir, was watching the cook it. So what was the problem? The problem was Chesonis. In other words, they weren't, you weren't, you're not allowed to sell food which isn't sealed. Because had everything been sealed with whatever the stamp or the seal of the, the people who had made the food in Tel Aviv, then the person in Shalem receiving it would not look for the seal. And if I don't see it sealed, then I can't accept it. That's like everything else. If it's not sealed, you don't take delivery. So, so the guy received the meat, he didn't expect the place in Tel Aviv to make seals, he not to look after it. But if it was understood, you have to seal food. You can't leave open food. And both cashiers would be more careful. These would be more careful to make sure it was sealed. And the other one receiving it, knowing that it's meant to be sealed, would see there's something wrong if it's not sealed. Right? It's a big problem. It's a big problem. You can get that catering. You're carrying out of their kitchen, and they'll deliver the food to wherever the location you want. Right? And very often it's the same problem. Who delivers it? They send it in a taxi. They say, tell us what you want it. We'll cook it in our kitchen. We'll put it in a taxi. We'll deliver it to you. But it's not sealed. So I don't know if a taxi driver would have a, a reason to exchange the 78 shizzles which are sitting in, in his car. But if he would, he could. No one's going to know the difference. And therefore, the rough is that these are separate pieces. I'm going to talk about it. Now, uh, the MS is something we've taken up with the Kashas organizations there in Israel a lot of times because as <coughs> in Khuzar, they're much more mechwe than on the Salakha. In America, if you buy a pizza, it comes to tape. And as Israel, it doesn't. Why not? So if you're going to say the drivers are all Shabri Shabbos, that's fine. But not every pizza store will be driving the Shabri Shabbos. So what, what are they relying on? So I'll talk about They're relying on the heads of the Ramah, which is not a very good factor. And the, the truth is, when, the, when one wonders why you need to rely on the heads, but it's such an easy thing to take care of. 
They're just fighting of taking clothes. What's the big deal? But what's the head they're relying on? The head they're relying on is, is that if I stand the guy to deliver food in the Rosh Rabbim, so then he's going to be embarrassed to eat it and exchange it because people are noticing what he's doing. That's, and if that's the case, there's a certain level of a deterrent because people are watching him. If people are watching him, then he's not going to open the box either so it'll look kind of strange. The delivery man's going to get a pizza out of the back of his, out of the back of his back, right? So then he won't do it. But that only works in a case where a person's driving in the street at a time when it's busy and people are watching him. If he's delivering pizza at night or he's going to a quiet area where no one's noticing him, so that's not going to help anymore. Okay, so that's the first thing, and that's why food is meant to be sealed, even when it's being delivered from a caterer with a hefsha, or doesn't have to just be a caterer. If you're delivering food to somebody else, you're making a job, or whatever the case is. So once again, if you're not using a delivery man who you can rely on, you're so with you're going to have to seal the food. The simplest way to seal food is just put in a box and sign your name on it. Because that way, if, if, if he breaks the thing, he's going to break the seal. It's going to break the signature. That works. You want to staple the clothes, you want to tape it closed, all these things work. Okay. Now, the next case we're going to talk about is if it's easily recognizable, the, the difference between the kosher food and the non kosher food. So then that works as well as the seal does, because obviously a person knows what he's looking to, he wants to get. And if he sees that I wanted this and I got something different, then it obviously wasn't the same thing I was meant to get. And therefore, right, if something is unique, it has a specific, uh, a certain company makes things on the trademark style, right, and you can recognize straight away, this is their product, so then it doesn't need another seal, the food itself is the seal. The food itself is a guarantee that it can't be changed because people know to look for it. So for example, a company which embosses its, its, its logo onto the icing of the cake, or they have their mark, or their way they date, their specific uh, flavor which no one else makes, whatever it's going to be, things like that, they're then another seal because it's not exchangeable. People know what they get. That, because they can tell on the pizzas exactly which uh, store made the pizza. Uh, I've never met such absolute Bakim. Exactly which store came made the pizza, but it's not that different. But if there would be such a thing, there would be something which, these are the people that make it, and you know, they talk about, uh, what's it, a thousand dollar sandwich. You know, so if that's the case, you know exactly what you're getting, right? No one's going to exchange it for uh, some other alternative. If that's the case, <coughs> in the case of it, you would need a seal, because the person receiving it knows what it's meant to get. You'll see yeah, this stuff. You get like, like a certain type of cereal, for example. It's only the, uh, so a cereal is the same thing, which, uh, which is, let's say, an artisan bread. There's only one, one company which makes bread like this, right? And therefore their bread, you can recognize straight away. And that's the case. Then in a khanami, you don't need a seal because it's not replaceable. But same thing, if the person who organized the food, right, is, kind of, is the one who's going to be using the food. Same thing, if you recognize this is own food, you're not going to need a seal. And that's why if you have a kitchen worker in your kitchen, even if you step out for a few minutes, as long as you recognize what you make, right, then he's not, you don't need a seal because you're going to come back and you're going to see the food, you're going to see if it's what you made or not. If it's something which looks exactly the same, right, and frying sausages, and then every sausage looks the same. So now it's what else you'll never know the difference. If that's the case. Yes, even in your own kitchen you're going to need a, 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 to seal the food if there are times when there's an injury there without you. Because what's going to stop you changing it? But if it's something which I recognize, these are my cakes, these are my this is my my, my dish, I made it like this. Now I recognize it straight away. Now they need a seal because I love myself. And therefore the main time you need a seal is when you're sending it to somebody else. So he doesn't know what you sent. And therefore, he might think that what what he received is what you originally sent. He doesn't know. And you're going to be sealed to make sure that it wasn't exchanged on the way. Now, on the second thing we spoke about, that's the next important thing. And as the din which brought in the Shachan Aruch and is brought in the Gemara, it's the din of a person sending food because that was the most likely way where you want to know what's going on. 
if I'm call up somebody else and said I'm sending you food, he doesn't know what I'm sending him. Because we asked him for a shlishla and he gets a piece of chicken, he doesn't know. And if that's the case, it needs to be sealed, it doesn't get changed. Right? But if it's the food that I'm working with myself, then I am, then unless it's something which has no recognizable features, I'm going to need to seal it. And therefore, it doesn't have to be I'm sending the food. It could just be the guy's working in my kitchen. The guy's working in my kitchen. But if that's the case, if I'm going to leave him there unattended, so to speak, and he has a free hand to do what he wants, I have to be worried that he's going to exchange the food. Where is this practical? So, the case of Shulchan Aruch is that if, let's say I'm working with the guy in, in my establishments, in my catering house, or even in my own home, and I'm available, I'm there. I'm walking in and out, I'm working at the same time. The guy's going to be too scared to bring in new ingredients and start changing things because it's too likely he's going to get caught. So as long as I'm there, or I could be coming back at any given time, I'm not worried because there's a deterrent. But if I'm leaving for the morning, let's say I have a housekeeper, and I say, right, I'm going to work, you're in charge of the house, right? And now she knows that she has eight hours undisturbed to do what she wants because no one's home. Then any food I'm leaving in my fridge has to be sealed. Because unless I would recognize what it is, there's no guarantee that she's not changing things. Bread, cheese, milk, fish, meat. And there's something distinctive about it. It's just a, if it would just be a regular thing of milk, a regular thing of cheese, or whatever it is, so then I'm going to have to seal it somehow, because otherwise, I'm, I have no way of knowing if it wasn't exchanged. Yeah. But let's say, like, like the cook knows that the cook knows. She's not going to come back here for like a minute. It's a problem. A minute's probably too short. Because it takes time to prepare something else, take it out, put the next thing in, and you might catch me in the middle of doing it. But if I have enough time, I know that I'm safely, I've got safely enough time to change it, and no one's going to know. Then it's a problem. So also, you have to like make sure sometimes to come back very soon. Yes, like, right. Yeah. They always tell Meshkechim who are working on the principle of Nechas Yaitzeh, which means you come in and go out. You know, you know, steady Meshkech. You can't have a fixed schedule. You can't be I always now go the same route every day, and I arrive at this store at 8 o'clock in the morning, and I come to the next store at 30, and I go back to him at 1.45, whatever it is, because then I know to work around me. But I don't know, if I'm working as a Meshkech, it's coming Nechas Yaitzeh. So the idea is I'm coming by surprise. And therefore, I keep rotating my schedule so that no one knows when I'm going to come. And then that's meant to work because then there's always a certain uh, fear that maybe I'm going to get caught. That's, that's the first point. And therefore, like I said, things in your own kitchen might need, a, might need to be sealed also because if the guy has free reign, there's no one stopping him uh, doing what he wants to do. I got the second problem also. And that is, even if he's not going to exchange the food, if he decides to cook it with your candy, he's probably going to make a trip. And I'm only talking about meat and milk. We spoke about this once before, we'll speak about it again, and then a bit of If a guy cooks, Something which which makes it into bishulach, it's something cooked by a guy that's refining it, but then the clean that he cooks it, it becomes straight also. Here in the yeshiva, there were a number of times we used to have an Arab worker, it's not long left, but they used to have an Arab worker, they used to make some bread from the trays every morning, on the, on the pans over here. And it was a, once a month we used to throw out the pans, because what can you do? If a guy's using the pans, it makes bread. Well, in the case where a guy's left on his own with the food, besides the fact he's going to mix the meat and milk, whatever it is, Besides the fact that he might exchange the food for something of his own, and also the shadi is going to cook the food and then it's going to shave up the pan. That's not a good idea to do that. Well, this is a specifically big problem. It's something which there isn't an easy solution for, is when you have an elderly person who has an, a, a non-Jew living with them to take care of them. Now, they need a non-Jew to take care of them because they need help in Shabbos. And the guy can't do Malachas on Shabbos, a Jew, I'm sorry, can't do Malachas on Shabbos for somebody who's not in the category of the Kachnefesh, the guy can. And therefore, we need an Andrew's worker because the person is going to get dressed in Shabbos and take care of them, take the temperature, and whatever it is, whatever Malachas they're going to do, and an Andrew would be allowed to do that. But the problem is, if you have an old person who's bedridden or stuck in their bedroom, 
and they're not, they can't make their own way to the kitchen, and then the non-Jew has free ra- a free hand in the kitchen, then you can't trust anything because what's going to stop the non-Jew changing? Right? Also, you can't rely on seals over there because the non-Jew has to open the food to give the Jew to eat. So unless you bring sealed packages for the Jewish uh, person to open for them, right, and somebody heated it up while sealed, then you have a big problem. The only answer is, and it's a little bit of a video of it, but the only answer is, they put on cameras. Because over here, we rely on cameras to be a kind of a miracle. As long as someone's watching the cameras, and therefore they can look in the kitchen and see what's going on and what the non-Jew is doing, and the non-Jew also, that's the first point, that, that the cameras which the non-Jew knows about, Hidden cameras are not. He's not afraid. He's not. But the cameras are not like that. And also, he knows what he can't do. Right? If a non-Jew has no idea of meat and milk, there's no idea that he can't what's kosher or not kosher food, then it's not going to make a difference because what's he afraid of? He doesn't realize he's doing something wrong. And therefore, if you want to have a non-Jew care for a Jewish person, it has to be clear to them that they can't touch the food, they can't change the food, right? They can't even heat up the food on their own. And there's a camera watching them, which are none of that. And uh, Therefore, there's there's a certain deterrent that someone's watching, and then obviously someone's watching the cameras every sovereign to make sure things are working. And there are two other people that I recommend this editor to, who had an elderly grandparent with the camera, and they listened and put up cameras. And the two of these people came back to me and said that they actually caught the non-Jew on camera stealing jewelry. So it's because I have other reasons also to put up cameras if you live in a non-Jew on their own in the house. But whatever the case might be, it's, it's a good deterrent, and we we need a deterrent. Of, of having a non-Jew in the home, in the house, and therefore why things need to be sealed because otherwise we worry he's going to exchange them or use them. Now, the next point to talk about is what about in a yeshiva, in an institution? Well, most yeshivas, again, they have kitchen workers who are not Jewish, just either to carry heavy things or to wash the dishes, to clean the floor, whatever the case is going to be. Now, if the kitchen workers are only there when the Jewish cooks are there, right, then that's okay because then we have a Jew who's watching what's going on. But normally the way it works is that in most kitchens, you have the time when they're cooking, and that's when the Jewish staff are there, and then offers have the time when they're cleaning up, and then the Jewish staff have left. Now it's just a non-Jew there. And if that's the case, then do we need a dinner for Shambas or not? So here is a very well-known quote from Moshe Feinstein, which most places rely on, and if you think about it, it makes a lot of sense also. And that is the Moshe held that in an institution, we don't need to worry about Shambas. Um, and the reason for that is, is what's the chashash by a chosim? Why are we in a chosim? Because we worry that the non-Jew is going to take the kosher food and exchange it for non-kosher food. Why should he bother to exchange it? Why not just take it? And the answer is, because it's going to get noticed. Right? If I know that in my fridge at home, they're four schnitzels, and now I leave my cleaner in the house, and I come back and I need two schnitzels, and I ask what happened to my two schnitzels? So she also knows that. And therefore, if she decided for whatever reason to steal them, she's going to feel, I have to replace it, or else someone's going to catch me. And therefore, what you're going to find to replace? You're going to go to the local Chinese non-kosher store and find the cheapest thing to replace it with. And I hope I don't know, I I don't know the difference. Right? That's the chashash. But if you talk about institution, they're making a huge quantity. No one's counting. And therefore, if the non-Jew decides to steal the schnitzel, no one's going to know. So as a Moshe, if that's the case, we don't really have a chashash that he's going to exchange it. Why should he? He doesn't have, he has, he has no reason to do it because anyone else is going to know what he's talking And if that's the case, it's true that the non-Jew might be stealing, but we're not worried he's going to steal and replace. And if that's the case, we don't have to worry about Khazanas. Like I said, it, it makes sense. And a lot of the most of the had so. And therefore, you're talking about industrial scale uh, operations, which no one's counting the amounts. No one's going to know if you stole it or not. And therefore, he doesn't feel that I have to replace something that I took. If that's the case, we aren't worried about the Khazanas as much because why should he go to the expense and the effort of trying to replace something which anyway no one's going to realize that he stole? Okay, so that's the dinner of 
a hexa, so to speak, in the din, where it's get to uh, big quantities, caterers, institutions, like I said. But in a, a normal case, where a person knows how much he's making, and the, the non-Jew also knows about that, <coughs> and therefore, he would feel that if I take something, I won't have to replace it, else I'm going to get caught, then you then have to replace me worried about that. What became a much more interesting question more recently, right, especially now, when people are unable to buy food for themselves as much, and therefore they're much more into trying to order food or deliver food. And that is, what about something like Uber, or one of these services which you can hire to bring you food? Now, what's the matter of it? The matter is you can track them. You know, as you, the, way, the way it works is you can see where they are, and you can see where they're gone. Right? And if that's the case, the question is, is a tracker a good deterrent? In other words, if you know the driver knows he's being tracked, and therefore you can't take, like, detours and go to the Chinese restaurants on the way because you can see where he's going. And therefore, if, you, if he's not going directly from the pizza store to your house, you can see that. Is that a good deterrent or not? So, like, just like we said, that the Ramadan had to are just around him because people will see if he's doing something strange. So, as long as you're tracking the driver, we have the same answer here. And as he's being watched, he's being watched, and therefore you can see when I'm, I hire the driver, I watch him, I see where he goes, and I see he's coming straight to my house. Right, he didn't stop anywhere else or go after Derek anywhere along the way. If that's the case, I can run it. I have, a, I have a, a clear knowledge of what he's doing. But this only works with the delivery man that I hire to deliver me food. Right? When they have uh, delivery services, which are delivering for the, for the company or delivering for the restaurant or for the fast food place, then it doesn't work anymore. Because he doesn't do one delivery at a time. Right? He does a whole batch of deliveries. So he gets 10 pizzas, a list of addresses, and he goes around delivering to everybody. If that's the case, I have no right anymore. Because even if I'm watching him, I don't know where he's going. I don't know what he's doing at each stop. Right? So then I don't have the clarity to know that he came straight from the store to my house. So therefore, uh, 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 somewhere that I can track and I can watch what he's doing, well, good, I can run it. That's, that's uh, as good as a choyson because I, have the cl- I can see that he's not exchanging anything along the way. Right? Somebody that I can't track, right? because he is making other stops, I have no idea what the stops are for or why, why he went where he went to. So it doesn't help me anymore, then I'm going to need a choyson again. Well, people, when they see a car stop, they just assume your service is not on the phone. This is you? And people flash the car, and they see it stops, sometimes they just assume the car, your service is not on the phone. Yes and no. You know, it depends what happens. Where does it stop, and how is it, and what, is it going off the track I'm expecting to take, why do you go a different route, whatever it is. It's really passing by. Yeah, you see, you're right. There's a certain amount which uh, you have to say that it's logical that you might make a mistake and what you're worried about. There's a certain amount which the person's watching him and like, why in the world do you go their own direction, right? So if the driver knows he's being tracked, there's a certain deterrent that he thinks that someone's watching what he's doing. So if the driver makes like... I want to tell you, it's a story of a friend, and this, again, underscores the importance of keeping the salah. I had a friend who was in the mirror then with me, and he went to the coastal Thursday night late, and one in the morning he wanted to come back again, and uh, the bus had already stopped. So he flagged down a cab, and uh, I asked the driver, now I'm going to cost me to take me back to your ship. And the driver said, listen, I have to do a delivery on the way, so I'll give you a good price, because anyway I have to drive that direction. Right? So he gets in the cab, they drive from the coast around the old city, and the driver pulls into the bakery, just the, the Arab bakery, just outside Shashkan. They have a huge Arab bakery, an all-night bakery. The driver pulls into the bakery, and he comes out with four boxes of fresh pizza breads, and he puts them in the back of the car, in the trunk, and so this guy asks him, where are you going? So he said, I got an order from the Falafel store in Harinov that they ran out of pittas. And he's going to, I want his pittas one in the morning. Right? So they asked me to deliver pittas. So where, where, where are they? From the Arabs, I'll open all night, I'll get from there. Now, the pittas store had a good hachshah. But the Meshkiyach not there anymore, one in the morning. 
Right? He came in the morning, he watched what they did, he took the deliveries, he saw the orders, everything else. Now, I forget what's the problem, right? Uh, unless this person actually would have told someone the story, no one would have ever known. Right? And it's one of the problems. When you take food with that person, you don't want to And if somebody has a, a, an agenda to try and sneak non-kosher food into the system, that's the way to do it. Because even if you have your regular orders and your regular deliveries, whatever else it is, right? But for regular, there's the option of non-disclosed food arriving, then it could come from anywhere, which is why we need kosamas. And you want kosamas. But need to be sealed. And that way... What's the hatter being double wrapped? It's a seal. If you can't open the wrappers, if it's just folded over in two plastic bags, you can open it up very easily. But if it's sealed, closed, so then... So what's the mindset they have to do right here? The mindset they have to do is, is that the person receiving the food can see that it's the same food which was sent from the... where it was coming from, and there's nothing happened to it on the way. Like, like I remember, like, when I was... One more case, one talk, which is also very nice, and that's the That's one of the most problematic practices, because we have a tremendous amount of of cows or sheep, whatever it is, chickens being shattered, some are kosher, some are not. Right? Now, you have a few core Jewish workers, the mashkiach, the sheikhet, the boidek, because they're checking the knife, whatever it is, and you have a tremendous amount of non-Jews there, because who's going to do the hard work of gutting the chickens, of checking, carrying the cows, whatever it is, right? they're all non-Jews. Okay, now how do you learn to know which cow, uh, what's kosher, what's not? It's very easy to exchange, it's all next to each other. Right? And that's why they have a special, in any they have a special job, a person who his job is, he's called the Gavit HaChesamas. Which means, as soon as they decide this is a kosher cow, so he goes around clipping uh, tags onto every single part of the cow. The head, the tongue, the one foot, the other foot, the, when they open it up, everything inside, and it's the Chesam. Because then you know you have a seal that it's a... Uh, you can see it's kosher. Otherwise, it's just another piece of meat. And you have no idea which, which animal it came from, you can't learn it. Maybe it's an exchange. Right. The Milag the used to be, the person talking about this, could they rat kosher, like with a nap, he's taking up in that kind of rat, kosher, shin, resh, onto the meat itself, like cut it into the meat as a semen. And uh, some of the person doesn't like that because they said it was too, too much of an easy semen, we're going to do it also. Right? And that's what today, they always have a silver clip, right? because those metal clips you can't take off again. Once they seal, they stay sealed. Right? And that's a good semen because that's not replaceable, but then it has to work down the system, which means everyone dealing with whatever part of the meat that they're dealing with has to find the seal first. If you don't have a seal, then you have another action. Then it's no good. Okay, that's the cases where Chosamas from the Gay, like I said, it's Dindarabonin, but it's a Dindarabonin which is enacted to prevent many, many sorry Okay, the, the, We'll talk in the future weeks about other Takonas Rabbanan made of similar nature to prevent the story. But Lechara, uh, the one which is the most Shekhiach, because even if you're talking about companies which have a Hafsha and the food which started with Kosha, the one which is most Shekhiach would be problematic is this case. When, you've, uh, when, when the food at some stage is, has no seal and no hashkacha, then it's uh, open for people who would want to, to exchange it, to ruin it, or to, to, and to make it right.